1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Then we're going to look over at chapter 4 and verse 2. Amen. One of the most tragic events during the, the Reagan presidency was the Sunday morning terrorist bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut, which hundreds of Americans were killed or wounded as they slept. And many of uh, you can probably still recall the terrible scenes as the day survivors worked to dig out their trapped brothers from beneath the rubble. And then after a few days of the tragedy, after the tragedy, Marine Corps uh, Commandant Paul uh, Kelly visited some of the wounded survivors in Frankfurt, Germany in a hospital. And among them was Corporal Jeffrey Lee Nashton, several wounded uh, of his uh, platoon in the, in the incident. And Nash, uh, Nashton had really had so many tubes running in and out of his body that a witness said he looked more like a machine than a, than a man, but yet through all of that he survived. And so as Kelly, Paul comes up to him and Nashton struggling to move. He's racked with pain. He motioned for a piece of paper and, and he uh, took this, this pen and he wrote a brief note and he passed it back to the commandant. And on the slip of paper were two words. And the two words were Semper Fi. So the Latin motto for the Marines and it means forever faithful. With, this, with these two simple words that he wrote... Nashton was speaking for the millions of Americans who have sacrificed for our country and sacrificed their body and their limbs and uh, their loved ones and have remained faithful. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, we read this, God is faithful. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then going over to chapter 4 and verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 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 Jesus, would You help us tonight? God, would You speak into our lives from Your living Word and let Your Word come alive in our life. I pray, God, that You would move us like never before, God, closer to You. And God, we will give You glory and praise for everything that You're going to do in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, everybody say Amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. Thank You for standing and worshiping and praying. Amen. We have to sometimes we just have to push ourselves a little bit to get into the atmosphere that we can receive what God wants to speak to us. Amen. Faithful comes from the Greek. Uh, it's the pistos, or it simply means trusty, or that can be relied on. The truth is, faithfulness is remaining committed and doing doing the right thing, even when you feel like giving up. I love the way that Bill Hybels had, had put it way back when he defined faithfulness. He said faithfulness is, means you stick to a commitment after the shine wears off. Right. Faithfulness means that you keep saying no a thousand times if you must to the temptation of cutting a corner and taking the easy way out. Faithfulness means you refuse to jump ship even when the waves of adversity are splashing over the decks of your marriage, of your relationship with your children, or your relationship with others. Faithfulness simply means you stay true to your relationship with Jesus Christ no matter what that costs you. So I begin to think about this and why faithfulness is such a challenge. And I think in our modern society, uh, faithfulness just isn't in style. 
Most people are accustomed. Uh, they're not accustomed to someone being what they should be. In fact, most time when somebody tells you that there's something, you, you, you probably kind of secretly, you think, yeah, we'll see. Why? Because we've been let down so many times to people not being what they should be or living the way that they should live. And so most people are not true and they're not trustworthy and most people aren't committed to God. They're not committed to their church. They're not committed to their friends and they're not committed to their family. Right. And so we get used to this and that's the big problem in our society that we, we just find people just aren't faithful anymore. Let me give you an example and try to kind of show you what I'm, I'm trying to get to quickly here, but another pastor in a sermon he did on, on the passage that I just read, he said this, he said, if a husband says, I really love my wife, but then he has an affair, you would call him a liar, you would call him a cheat, but most of all, what would you call him? Unfaithful. Unfaithful. Because no matter how loudly he proclaims his love, no matter how much he says he loves his wife and his family, he has shown himself to be unfaithful. Faithful. And the Scripture says that it's required that we be found faithful. That God is faithful. That God is always faithful. And we never have to worry about that. But then it's required that we be found faithful. That a man be found faithful. And the truth is that faithfulness is really such a challenge today because we all deal with the temptation to be unfaithful to God. To not keep our promises. As a matter of fact, we all face that challenge with other people as well because we mean well. Right? We mean well, but sometimes we don't always do well. I like to I always like to think about how, you know, well, I don't I didn't mean it that way. Anybody ever said that? I didn't mean it that way. And what we do, what we find is that we judge everybody else by their actions and we want people to judge us by our intentions. Amen. We want people to look at, oh, they mean the best. They mean really well. But then we want to look at everybody else and say, but they're not doing right. Amen. And so sometimes I find that every time we are faithful, it helps us move closer to the overall faithfulness that God has called us to live in. So every time we make the right decision, every time we take a step, amen, towards being faithful to God, and when we have the temptation to not be faithful, but then we remain faithful, amen, we're getting just a little bit closer to what He has intended for us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But look what it says. But God is faithful. Are you going to get tempted? Are you going to be uh, uh, you know, kind of enticed to move the wrong direction, to make the wrong decisions? Absolutely. Every day of the week, sometimes every hour of the day. But the Scripture says, don't give up because God is faithful. And even when you go through something, God is faithful. And even when it feels like you've got to give up, God is still faithful. And so don't give up because God is faithful. And He will never let you down. He will not suffer you to be tempted above of that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. He doesn't just allow you, amen, to go through stuff. He makes a way of escape. Amen. As a matter of fact, before the temptation ever reached you, He said, I got a plan. Amen. Don't worry about it. I'm faithful. I'm still here. And it doesn't matter what you go through. I'm going to be on the other side. Amen. Matter of fact, I'm going to be with you right through the middle of it. 
Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 18 says, But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. Amen. And, and, and God, even though other people are unfaithful, even though other people are untrue, God is always faithful. He is always true. You can always count on Him. Amen. Norman Geisler, as a child, he went to a VBS because somebody invited him to go to this VBS that they were having. He went back to the same church and he went Sunday after Sunday and he went to Sunday school for 400 Sundays. You know, 400 Sundays. Think about how, how you know, that's, that's a lot of years. That's like eight years, right? Almost eight years of Sundays. Somebody invites him as a kid. He goes 400 Sundays and each week he was faithfully picked up by somebody else in the church and brought to church. Week after week he attended church, but he never committed his life to Jesus Christ. Finally, during his senior year in high school, after being picked up for church over 400 times, he finally did commit his life to Christ. What if the bus driver or the people that brought him had given up after 395 times? What if they quit picking up? You know, I, you know, I'm not seeing any. Uh, Norman's not making any changes. Let's just quit picking him up. Amen. What, what if, what if the bus driver or the van driver or the people who were picking him up said, "This kid is not really going anywhere spiritually. Why should we waste any more time on him?" Amen? But they were faithful. If you want a promotion, amen, George Bolt, uh, he worked faithfully at years for a, a, a year, just a small little hotel and he was at the front desk and one day this elderly couple came into the lobby and they, they asked for a place to stay and he's like, man, every room in the hotel and every hotel in, in town is occupied right now. And realizing that this elderly couple had nowhere to sleep and they'd been traveling, Bolt offered them his own room where he had stayed. And, and he, he, he said, well, you know, I, I don't have anything, but I, I've got this room that I've been staying in. You're, you're welcome to have it. And they were reluctant to accept his offer, but they eventually did so because George insisted. He's like, no, I don't want you guys traveling or going looking for anything else here. Just stay here. And so the next morning, when the couple was checking out, the elderly man said to George, he said, you know what, George, you're the kind of man who should be managed the best hotel in the country. And he said, someday I'm going to build a hotel and I'm going to let you manage it. And several years later, uh, Bolt received a letter in the mail and it contained a round-trip ticket and a note from the man to whom he had given his room years before. The man invited George to visit him in New York City. and So when Bolt arrived in New York, the gentleman took him to a downtown corner where he, uh, a huge building stood that had been built. And he said, George, this is the hotel I built for you to manage. And Bolt stared in amazement at the glorious structure. He was looking at the hotel, the Waldorf Astoria. And the elderly man was William Waldorf Astor, one of the wealthiest men in the country. Bolt's faithfulness in managing a small hotel had prepared him to manage one of the most magnificent hotels that our country has ever seen. And, and I'm just going to say it like this. Sometimes we think in terms, well, I'm not getting this and I'm not getting that. And God hasn't opened up the windows of heaven and poured out all the, the money that I need and I haven't gotten everything taken care of. But the Scripture says, He that's faithful in few things... God will make him the ruler over many. Amen. And I believe on Judgment Day, God's going to examine how well we managed in the little things. How well we took care of the little things. Amen. Just the 24 hours of the day that we had. How were we faithful to Him and what He had given us? And if we were faithful in filling, uh, fulfilling those responsibilities in this life, 
I believe that God will assign us better things to manage even in the next life. I may not attain to what God has for me. Amen. But I'm going to be faithful to Him. He didn't call me to be successful, but He did call me to be faithful. He didn't say, you got to do this or you got to do that. He said, just be faithful. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the Scripture says, Faithful is He that calleth you who also will do it. Faithful is He. He is faithful. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So many times in the Scripture, we are reminded that God is faithful and that we should be faithful. And I, I wonder if that's because of our propensity to be unfaithful. Amen. I wonder if it's because we, we get so sidetracked by the little things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you, you're going through your day and you're like, I'm going to pray, I'm going to talk to God. And you go to get on your Bible app and next thing you know, you've been on Facebook for 30 minutes. Come on somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Like, how did this happen, you know? And some of you have done the smart thing. You're like, I'm just going to delete this from my phone. I cannot have this on my phone because I will not get anything done. You, that's being faithful. Amen? And I'm not saying everybody has to do that. You can say, if you can set limits for yourself and you can, you know, I'm just saying some, sometimes we spend too much time on Facebook but not enough time with our face in the book. This book, amen. we we got to make sure that we're spending time with God and spending time in His Word. We've got to be faithful. I know it's a small thing. I know it's not a big thing. But we got to be faithful in the small things, and God will reward us. Some people say, Oh, Pastor, you say we got to be in the Word every day, and we got to be talking to God every day. I don't know how people survive without it. I don't know. I lose my mind. I, I, I don't have, I'm sorry, some of you are smarter than me. I don't have uh, the, the ability to move through life without hearing from God on a regular basis. I just can't do it. I got to be in His presence. Amen. It's my job to discipline myself, to push out everything else, and get into His presence. And be faithful to say, hey God, I know it's not real fancy, it's not real flashy, but I'm here today. Yeah. I don't have a lot that I can offer, but, but I'm here today. God, I just, I just want to spend some time with you. And I, I don't know what to say. Things aren't always going like I want them to. And I wish things would work out different. I wish this would work out and that would get fixed. And I wish that this could come along. And God, it's not happening, but I'm here. I'm here. Whatever you want to do, whatever you're trying to show me today, I want to just be faithful. Amen. To get into your presence. And I think sometimes we forget that it's the little things, amen, it's, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that trip us up. And, and we get so focused on, well, i got to get this big thing taken care of and i got to make sure that you know I get recognized for that. And, and sometimes we, we manage the little things improperly. But I think how we manage the little things uh, indicates how we would do if we had more. You know, some people are like, well, if I ever win the lottery. <laughs> really? You're not giving to the church now. Somebody told me that one time. They, don't, they didn't give anything. They said, if I ever win the lottery, I am going to give you know, half a million dollars to the church. I, I, I just said, thank you. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, you would not. You won't even give $100 for your tithes to the church right now. So why would you give five, you know, half a million, $500,000 to the church if you win the lottery? Just a thought. It's just a thought. What do you do with the little things? How we manage the little things is, is how we would act if we had more. Why would, give you, why, why would God think it's safe to give you dynamite when you can't even handle a firecracker? You know? 
can't, we can't, God can't trust you with big and powerful things and things that honestly, you know, I, I think God doesn't allow us to have some things. I've told Jessica this and she laughs at me, but I've told Jessica this several times. I said, God didn't give me a great voice. Because I don't think I can handle it. I think it would go to my head. Because I love people that can sing. I love me some music. And I love being able to you know, hear people that can really sing. I think he didn't give me a good voice because I think I could see it or something. And so that's why he just held that back for me. He said, look, you can't handle that dynamite. So I'm just going to give you a firecracker. You just sing what you can sing and pop off when you can pop off. And that's all you got. But, but I'm telling you, the, the truth of the matter is, I want to handle what I can do. I want to. I if God's given me a talent, he's given me ability, if God's put it in my heart to do something, I want to try to do that to the best of my ability and be faithful, amen, in what He's given me. Man, what does faithfulness look like? And I think the first thing that we notice, and if you're taking any notes today, I think if you, you want to say, what does faithfulness look like? The first mark of faithfulness, I, I would have to say, is accountability. Oh, this is not one nobody... I don't know anybody that likes talking about accountability. I don't think I need to be accountable to anybody, Pastor. I think I'm fine. I, I, I'm responsible to Jesus Christ, and that's the only one I have. Well, are you really? Hmm. Let's see how you're doing with His Word. Right? All of us as Christians are going to be held accountable. But who will you and I be accountable to? We're going to be accountable to God, right? I think it would be a good, a good start for us to start being accountable right now. And we're not waiting until Judgment Day to be accountable, right? Be accountable to your spouse. Be accountable to your pastor, to your other leaders. Be accountable. Why? Because it's the first mark of faithfulness. How many of you work a job that has built-in mechanisms to, to check on you? Make sure that you're being accountable, right? Whether it's a time clock or their big brother's watching you through a video camera or they're logging in how much time you're online, or whatever it is that they got to track, uh, if your patients are getting looked after, whatever it is. Almost every job that I know has systems in place to help keep you accountable. But then when we come to uh, our spiritual life and our things, we go, oh, I, don't wanna, I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't need to tell anybody. The first mark of faithfulness is being accountable. So if you're not accountable to anybody spiritually... Let's start with that, right? Let's get that in place. Because in the judgment, this is what I think we're going to hear. God's going to ask, what did you do with the Gospel? That's an important question. What did you do with the Gospel? Did you respond to the Gospel? Did you embrace the Gospel? Did you share the Gospel? And then I think the second thing He's going to ask is, what did you do with what I gave you? Because we get this... This picture from the parables of the, the talents, right? And some people are, you know, say, say, well, I'm only a three-talent person. And that person over there is a five-talent person. And God gave them more than He gave me. And, and some people get all, you know, upset about it. But I think the, the question is not how many talents do you have or how talented are you. It's what are you doing with what He gave you. So I think that's going to be the question. What did you do with what I gave you? And nobody's going to be able to stand before God and say, well, I, I only had a little bit of talent and I was just, you know, I figured, you know, what's the use? No, that's not going to fly with God. In fact, He shows us that the one that only had the one talent and He didn't do anything with it but bury it in the ground, that's the one that saw the outer darkness. Why? Because He didn't even try to do anything with what He had been given. Right. You gotta be faithful. So what did you do with the gospel? What did you do with what I gave you? Because this is what I think. I think he's going to judge if we have been faithful. I don't know. 
Maybe it's just all the verses that we just read that make me think that. I don't know, you know? I don't see how we can be unfaithful all of our lives and then stand before God and, and He'd be like, okay, what would you do with the Gospel? Well, I responded to the Gospel. I've been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm ready to go. Punch my ticket. And then he's, the next question is going to be the one that trips us up. What did you do with what I gave you? Man, I, I'm telling you, I've... You may not feel it, but there's something moving in this place. There's some, there are some things, and there's probably some watching online that you, you need to hear this too, but there are, there are some of the most incredibly talented people that are connected to this church. And I'm talking about blow your mind talent. I'm, I'm not talking about just, oh, wow, they're, they're really talented. I'm talking about, like, oh, my goodness, seriously, God? You, you had to give them all the talent and, you know... Right? There's people like that that are connected to this church. And here's what I'm afraid of. This is what I'm scared of. I'm scared that as pastor, I'm not challenging you enough. That went over good. <laughs> but pastor, I thought you were very challenging. My, my, my fear is that I'm not challenging you enough because I've got to challenge you to be faithful with what God has given you because the, the one who's faithful over few things is going to you know, increase into larger things. And when we stand before God, it's not going to matter if, if, if you had all this talent. It's going to matter what did you do with what He gave you. Were you faithful with your time, with your talent, with your treasure? Are you faithful? Fred Craddock, he was teaching the practical implications of consecration and he said, uh, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. You know, people are like, I'll give my life for Christ, I'll do it, right? And he's like, to pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it, I'm ready, uh, I'm ready, God, I'll go out in a blaze of glory. And he said, we think that giving our all to the Lord is like taking that $1,000 bill, you know, that represents all of our life and laying it on the table and we say, here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. But he said, the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and hands us this, has us cash in this $1,000 bill for quarters. And we go through life putting our 25 cents in here and our 50 cents in there. We listen to our neighbor's kids' trouble instead of saying, get lost. We go to the committee meeting. We give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. and We usually give our life to Christ, but it usually when we do it, it isn't real glorious at the time. It's done in all those little acts of love that are 25 cents at a time. It'd be easy for us to go out in a big blaze of glory, a big flash in the pan. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little by little over the long haul. Anybody can go out in a blaze of glory. Anybody can go, okay, take my life, I'm ready. And then it's, it's gone. Oh man, if that's all it was, it'd be easy. But it's not. What He requires is a little bit of faithfulness every day. A little bit at a time. Just, just trusting Him. So the first mark of faithfulness is accountability. I'm glad you were listening. The second mark of faithfulness is preparedness. If we are faithful, we're always to be prepared. Now, I was a Boy Scout. That was our motto. Be prepared. Anybody don't, I don't know if you know that, but that's Boy Scouts' motto. Now, uh, there's movements trying to mess up even the Boy Scouts. kind of scary. But this is a parable in Matthew 25 that you may recall the parable of the ten virgins, right? If you remember, there were five 
wise and five foolish, yeah, they were called foolish because they had brought these lamps and they were waiting for the bridegroom to come, but only five of the ten actually had brought extra oil for their lamps. So, you know, we would say five of them were smart and the other ones were ignorant, but the Bible says wise and foolish. But as the night wore on, the bridegroom was delayed and the five who did not prepare and didn't have the extra oil, they actually ran out of oil. They had to go buy some more oil uh, late at night. While they were gone, the bridegroom comes and the parable says that those who were prepared, those were the ones who were invited to the wedding and then the door was shut behind them. And the five who had gone on to buy more oil and came back and found the door closed, they said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But He answered and said, Assuredly, I say uh, to you, I do not know you. Matthew 25, 11 and 12. What is, what is the point of this parable? What is He telling us? He's saying, always be prepared. You shouldn't need a major conference or you shouldn't need a, a big, you know, one big Sunday every, you know, six months or 12 months to get prayed through and get ready and get right and be faithful and be prepared. This is telling us we should always be ready. We don't know when the bridegroom is coming. We, we shouldn't wait, amen, until, you know, all the stars are aligned, everything falls into place, and then we get our hearts right and we, we're set and we're ready to go and Jesus, use me, I'm ready to go now. No, no, no. It, it, it's like every Every day, every week being prepared, being ready to go, being making sure that our heart is right, making sure that we're reaching for others with the love of Jesus. Jesus tells His listeners, always be prepared because nobody knows when He's coming back. So if we're going to be faithful, the first thing we have to do is we have to be accountable. The second thing we have to do is we have to be prepared. The third thing we have to do is be committed. I know these seem like they all go together. I know. Jesus said it like this in Luke 9.62. Uh, he said, No one put, who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Matthew 10.38, He also said, Who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. I, I don't know about you, but those two verses, looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Not taking up your cross, that's both of those are deal breakers. And then... What I have found is that the commitments that we make actually make us when we stay committed to certain things. I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been tempted to not be committed to certain things, right? I was, there's been sometimes I've, I've thought about not being committed to my mortgage. I thought, you know what, I don't really feel like I'm being, I don't, I don't know, this month I'm just not feeling it. Anybody ever felt like that? You know, just, just not feeling it today. You know, I don't a car payment? I just not. I don't know. I'm just not feeling like being committed to this car payment. How long would that go on? Yeah, you know, you have a couple months of feeling. You know, I just don't feel like being committed to it. Guess what? It would be removed, or you would be removed. The commitments that we that we make, they actually make us. You know, uh, if you are faithful. Uh, that's one of the things that they look for whenever you want to, to, to go buy a car, to buy a house, to get property, whatever it is. You know what? They, they're going to check on that score. Now, I know you do things the Dave Ramsey way. You don't even need a FICO score, so just, you know, whatever. Go, go for it. Go all cash and go all out. I'm behind you 100%. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, say live on credit, but I'm, I'm just kind of using that. You know, one of the things that they always, I, I like to hear, they say, you've never missed a payment. You've not even been late on a payment. What are they saying? You've been faithful. 
You, you've, you've kept up with your commitment. You said you were going to pay this much a month, and you've paid this much a month. You said you were going to do something, and you did it. Oh, don't you like hearing that? Isn't that good? You know, you don't want to hear, oh, you know, you've been late on your payment six times, and you didn't make a payment that time, you didn't do this. What they're saying is you weren't faithful to your commitment. When you make your commitment, your commitment will then make something out of you. The commitments that we make will shape our lives. As a pastor, I've stood at the altar or in a community center or even outside, and I've heard the young couple in front of me commit to love, to honor, to cherish for better or worse, for richer or poorer, uh, in sickness and in health from this day forward as long as we both shall live. They both hope for the best in life. They're both hoping for a bright and better future. Things will always go well, and I hope that for them too. But I can't tell them what lies around the next corner of their life. I'm not a prophet. Now, sometimes I have a feeling and I'm like, I don't know, you need to really think about this. But I do know that the Bible tells us that two committed together are stronger than one alone. So if they're really committed and that they're really going to stick it out, that's better than one being alone. And I can also tell you that when you make a commitment to Jesus Christ and you remain faithful to Him, you will never be disappointed. It doesn't matter what earthly relationships you have been disappointed by. When you come into a commitment and a relationship with Jesus Christ, He will never cheat on you. He will never leave you. Amen. He will never forsake you. He will never walk out the door on you. Amen. God does not require a lot of things from us. You're not required to be brilliant. Thank God. Amen. Because I would not be in good shape. You're not required to be articulate. You're not even required to be literate. You're not required to be beautiful or handsome. You're not required to be eloquent. But you are required to be faithful. Amen. Yes. You are required to be faithful. I wish I could... Look, I'm... Here's one of the things, this is one of the things that I think we really need to focus on. Sometimes we, we talk about things from the Word of God that are uncomfortable for us to talk about. But one of the things we need to do is we need to commit our lives to studying the Word of God, to hearing the Word of God, and to applying even the uncomfortable parts of the Word of God to our lives. This is one of those things. You're, you're not called... To, to, to scale Mount Everest. You're not called to uh, you know, be on the cover of a magazine. You're not covered, uh, called to be the speaker at a major conference. God has called you to do one thing, and that is be faithful. Amen. It's easy for us to get frustrated when we think we should be further than we are. I, I look at... I look at Jesus on life and I look at some of the, the disciples and I look at people in our world today, some of the most wonderful people that you'll ever meet you've never heard of. The good news is if you will be faithful to God, He will be faithful to you. He will be faithful to you. Uh, it starts with, with something very simple. We, we, we are just called to be faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, just to be faithful. That's it. Just to be faithful. Just to be faithful. It's not a it's not a trivial thing to be faithful. Ask the the husband and the wife who made commitment to each other and even though they've had some rocky times, they've decided they're staying committed to each other to be faithful. It's not always glamorous to be faithful, but it's necessary. According to the word of God. 
1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how does this start? It starts with me repenting. It starts with me surrendering to God and saying, Here, here's where I am, God. I know I've not always been faithful to You, but You've always been faithful to me. I know that I've not always done things right, and there's many times that I've probably hurt You with my life and the things that I've done, but God, I want to start being faithful to You today. As I come to a close today, I want to just encourage you. Amen. Once you have been, uh, you, you've gotten to this place and you said, you know what, I want to be faithful to God. And you start by repenting. You start by committing that life to God. And you turn those things over. The things that you've been, you know, God's convicted you about. Them. Some people say, well, I don't know what sin is. Yes, you do. You do. Everybody does because it's built into you. You know what you've done wrong. Amen. That's why you have these little kids and they run around, they do stuff, and then they, when you catch them, you know, they're trying to hide, right? Or they, you know, they know because it's built into your conscience. You know when you've done something wrong. And when you feel that, there, there's, there's a repentance that needs to take place. Would you stand with me? The very first thing that I think we need to do today as we close is we need to confess our sins. If you, if you have anything in your life that you know is not pleasing to God, if you want to be faithful, you've got to repent. You've got to turn that over to God. And then you need, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. God will wash all of your sins away. And then you are ready to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God will put His Spirit on the inside of you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the truth. It's much easier to be faithful to God whenever He puts His Spirit inside of you. It's hard to overcome sin. It's hard to live in this life. Amen. Without God's Spirit, you need the, the power and the, the presence of God in your life every day. And that's made possible if you're faithful. He'll be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And He wants to fill you with His Spirit. So today, I want to just encourage you, make the decision to be faithful to God. That's all it requires. It's not requiring you to be successful. I, you know, uh, people ask, they asked me uh, not too long ago, a couple of people that I had known, they said, so how's the church in Louisville doing? I said, it's doing good. They said, well, how many are you running? I don't know. I really can't tell you because it varies from week to week. And then somebody else asked me, and I, finally I just said, when, when people started asking me, I said, said, how's it going? I said, you ever ridden a roller coaster? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not talking about, you know, one of those mild children ones. No, I'm talking about one of those ones that you're like scared for your life. Yeah, that's kind of what it's like, you know? just riding a roller coaster like that. Because there's great joys, there's awesome times, there's wonderful times, and then there's really scary times. There's times when you think the bottom's falling out. Amen? And sometimes I get frustrated because I, I wanted this church to be stronger than it is. Now, I wanted this church to really have already grown and blossomed and it'd be taken off and doing even better things. And so every once in a while, I just have to preach things to myself. God didn't call me to build His church. He's going to build His church. He called me to be faithful. So here I am at 5 o'clock on Sunday. I'm preaching to you. And I'm being faithful. Because I don't worry about the successes. I worry about my faithfulness. And as I'm faithful, God takes care of everything else. He didn't call you to fix everything. He didn't call you to take care of all your family and start this ministry. He said, just be faithful. 
I'll show you. So just get a faithful heart. Amen. Get a faithful spirit. Get a made up mind. I'm going to be faithful, God. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to be faithful. And I'm going to live for you. And as you do, God will open doors in your life that will blow your mind. But I want to just challenge you today. If you think that it's hard, amen, to be faithful, to live for God faithfully, imagine what it's like living for God without faithfulness. What if He wasn't faithful to you? What if He didn't show up when you actually needed Him? He's always there. He will never let you down. He's, he's always going to be there. You may think that the whole world is, is, is against you and everything's going wrong and you'll find you'll be in a service like this and God will show up and just remind you, hey, I'm here. It's going to be okay. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on it for you. I've got your back. Amen. And God will be faithful to you. This altar's open. I want us just to commit and recommit to being faithful to God today.